Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. I am your host, Diane Sorensen, certified life coach, hypnotherapy practitioner, mother, grandmother, and human fascinated with behavior and how to live our best life. My goal is to offer you another perspective, to see behavior in ourselves, our children, and others from another angle. This podcast is for anyone who wants to feel more connected in their relationships. It's for anyone who feels the pull for something more. It's for parents and those who are not. This podcast is for anyone who wants to take a deeper look because this is where we talk about breaking generational patterns and outdated cultural beliefs, cultivating deeper connections in our life, and leading our life with more confidence and clarity. And I believe that's when beautiful behavior comes into focus. You can learn more about my process, me, and the three different ways in which beautiful behavior could come into focus for you at my website at diannesorensen.net. That's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Okay, listeners, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, and happy February. I am going with the traditional uh, February celebrating love month. Um, I'm celebrating self-love all this month. So if you are not following me on Instagram, go ahead and go over to Instagram at dianesorensen.bb. And I am going to be offering um, little sweet packages of self-love this month. So packages, um, deals on my uh, programs and all of my offerings uh, for the month of February. So you can give yourself the gift of love, which when you give yourself the gift of love, everybody around you benefits as well. So head on over to dianesorensen.bb and follow me on Instagram so you can keep up on those deals. But I will tell you about the deal for this week and this week only. So we're starting with hypnotherapy. And if you don't know what hypnotherapy is, I will tell you this. Uh, that hypnotherapy can put more peace, joy, clarity, and confidence uh, in your life. It can heal uh, past traumas, uh, anxiety, depression. It gets to the core issue and allows you to heal. It is a beautiful journey back to your deepest, wisest, most authentic self. Back to the truth of who you are. So if you want to know more about that, I encourage you to get on a connection call with me and just find so I can answer your questions. Uh, I will put my calendar link for connection calls in the show notes. You can also find it on my website at diane 
www.jennyfoxmartin.net and on Instagram in my bio. So what I'm offering this week and this week only is when you buy a package uh, for hypnotherapy, you get a bonus session. So with each package, you get more bonus. Um, the higher, the, the more, the, the bigger the package, the bigger the bonus, I guess is what I'm saying. So um, yeah, check that out. And let's get into today's episode, which is the power of love. And I think love is one of those subjects we don't really freely talk about. Uh, It's almost, you know, I think we say the, you know, almost as a habit sometimes we'll say, I love you, love you too, love you, love you too, you know. Um, But I remember, it's like, that's only, you know, you can only say that in families. You know, I remember when I was teaching and I was implementing um, conscious discipline in my classroom, which is a more conscious connected way of being in relationship um, with others, with children. And the power of love is actually in the framework of conscious discipline. But I remember... um, saying offhandedly to one of the kids one time, oh, I just love you. And, you know, it was kind of like, well, you can't say that. You know, you can't tell the children they're loved. And it's like, why do we do that? It's why? Like, who cannot hear I love you enough? I mean, we can't get enough of it, right? We can never tell somebody they're loved and valued and appreciated enough. I don't believe we can have too much love in the world. But for some reason, we kind of guard it. And I think we also see it as kind of weak. You know, we have this kind of we must be hard on children kind of mentality um, or else, yeah, I don't know, they're going to run wild or be out of control which is totally not true. And that is actually our fear. That is not love. That is fear. And so I'm not talking about love as romantic love here. I'm talking about love as seeing the best in ourselves, seeing the best in others. So one of the things that I learned from Dr. Bailey was that love fosters the development of compassion. So compassion is a way of viewing the world. And compassion is not our go-to. I believe criticism is our go-to. Because when we make a mistake or we're stressed, how do you talk to yourself? How often do you beat yourself up? And we've all heard the saying, we're our worst, our, we are our worst enemies, right? Is that how it goes? We are our own, we are our own worst enemy, right? And if you criticize yourself, you will criticize others. It's our conditioning. So if you grow up in a family where 
you know, criticism, criticism was the norm. Um, and I think so many of us did where punishment, you know, was the way we dealt with mistakes. Um, then you will be critical as an adult. You will criticize yourself in your head. And again, you will criticize others. So um, another thing is if you grew up in a family where, you know, we weren't allowed to express emotions, especially anger, uh, because, you know, anger is seen as disrespectful, um, then you're probably have fear of anger and conflict and upset. So we become avoidant to that. And so um, we stuff it down. And, you know, when we do that, it ends up coming out sideways uh, in not very loving ways. And then we become the model for the exact thing we don't want in in these generational patterns um, continue. And the same with guilt. You know, if you were raised in a family that used, you know, a lot of guilted, you, you know, you into things or guilted people in the family into things, you know, as an adult, you know, you will use those same manipulations. Or another thing is you may catch yourself um, apologizing for yourself a lot, like, you know, saying I'm sorry all the time um, for things that, you know, really aren't even in your control or a need to apologize for. So we often apologize for ourselves and, and just go around with this sense of guilt. So these become, you know, these generational patterns that we get stuck in. And even though we um, don't, we may not fully be aware of them, but we might be aware that it doesn't feel good um, or this feeling of being stuck. So we really operate more on uh, from a place of fear than we do from a place of love. So, you know, compassion, we talk about compassion a lot, but it's really, I don't believe, really our go-to. And here's the deal. We cannot attack others in, I don't mean attack like physically or, well, it could be physically, but, but much of the time it's verbally, you know, or yelling or putting people down or criticizing people, um, or punishing our kids, which is the same thing as criticism and putting them down. Um, so we can't do that without hurting ourselves. So punishment and criticism hurts others and it hurts ourself. When we punish and criticize a child, it hurts them and it hurts us inside. We know it doesn't feel good. So choosing to see the best in ourselves and choosing to see the best in others is choosing love. And it's choosing self-worth over criticism or blame or payback, which harms self-worth. is we can choose to see hurtful behavior as disrespect, or we can choose to see it as a person calling for help. If a person is being hurtful, 
The thing they need most is love, and we withhold it. And we withhold it because it was withheld from us. When, as a child, when we did something that was, you know, judged by the adults or seen, um, the adults in our life saw it as disrespect or, you know, they weren't happy about it. We were punished or criticized or, you know, somehow got the message that that part of me is bad and unlovable. So how do we shift this pattern? How do we shift this pattern of fear and criticism and blame to a model of love and compassion and trust. One of the skills that we need and we can learn is composure. By understanding, practicing, implementing, and mastering composure. And I believe that a vast majority or or a, a many adults do not have the skill of composure. I know I, as an adult, did not have the skill of composure. I learned this skill um, as an adult because traditionally, we don't use composure. Traditionally, what we do is we learn to suppress emotions, push them down, and pretend to be composed. And it's like, holding your breath all day long and then you get home and you finally can let it out and you let it out all over the people we love the most, right? Our children, our partner. So we go out in the world and we pretend. We pretend to be composed. We pretend to be all nice. Um, And, you know, if we're really honest, much of that is really about pleasing others, putting on, you know, a a, a certain outward appearance to, you know, be liked and accepted. And what happens in the long run is that we become really angry. We feel angry and resentful. So when we aren't allowed to express this anger or we feel we don't have the right to have this anger, it morphs into resentment. And that has a negative effect on all of our relationships. And that is actually the opposite of love. So composure is all about connecting to your feelings the number one thing with composure is it's being aware that I am triggered. And we cannot expect children to manage their triggers as we fall apart all over ours. And then we blame them for how we're acting, right? We get triggered and we yell and then we validate it by saying, well, if you weren't doing this or that, then I wouldn't have to yell, which says you as the child are in charge of my triggers. You must figure out what triggers me and 
make sure that you are acting in a way that I don't get triggered. And you must figure out how stressed I am out in the world because that will play into how triggered I am. This is terrifying for children. They cannot manage your feelings. You must manage your feelings. They need to learn how to manage theirs. A trigger is always, always about the person who is triggered. It is not about other people. And I talk a lot about triggers, so I'm not going to make this episode about triggers, but just know that. So, composure is being aware that that I am triggered. And I can know I'm triggered because I can feel, right? So different people will feel different things in their body. But because we're, we live in our head, uh, we often don't have any awareness about what's happening in our body. So this is, also, this is a practice. This takes awareness. So you can start becoming aware. What happens when I'm triggered? What, what do I feel like? Um, you know, for some people, it's, you know, my face gets hot or my heart is pounding really fast or my palms get sweaty, whatever that is. It, it, it's about body awareness and practice of getting out of your head and into your heart and body. So number two, it composure takes breathing, deep belly breaths. So if you take three deep belly breaths, it turns off the stress response. Now this, these are, this is a specific, specific breathing. It's breathing all the way into your belly and releasing it all the way out. And it is, um, to release that stress response, the out-breath needs to be longer than the in-breath. And by the third time, that out-breath, letting it out slowly, so that stress response is turned off. And what this does is it allows you to slow down that energy that is bubbling up in your body slowing that down so that your external actions response are slowed down so you're not just boom reacting. And the other part of this is using safe language in your head because that voice in your head when you're triggered is going to be like, oh, I can't even believe this, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to kill him or whatever it is. And with those thoughts that can't slow down that energy. So you need to, you know, say some mantra in your head with using safe language, such as I've got this, you can handle this, keep breathing. You're safe because what this does is it creates a safe environment. You slowing yourself down creates safety and then name the feeling and connect to it. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's something else. 
but name it and connect to it. Where is it in your body? And you can practice talking to it, you know, just talking to it in your head. Okay, anger, I know you're here. Breathe with me. I can feel you in my chest or I can feel you in my gut, whatever it is. Breathe with me. We've got this. You're safe. You're safe. And this practice, this is the power of love. This provides safety. It feels safe in your body because you're caring for yourself. And caring, caring for yourself first is like, you know, putting on the oxygen mask, you know, the whole airplane thing, you put on your own oxygen mask before doing it to others. This is the same thing. Composure is about caring for yourself first, your inner state, your, in, your, your energy, and then showing up for others in a composed way. That's offering compassion. We offer compassion to ourselves by composing ourselves, and then we can offer compassion to others. So our traditional model of fear is all about control. And love is all about understanding. And we don't need to control others. We need to understand them. And when we have a better understanding of ourselves, we can then understand others better. And that has a great impact on our relationships. So choosing to see the best in ourselves and others really creates the ability to attach a positive intent to people's actions. So this is what we make people's actions mean. What do we make? We attach a meaning to it, right? And what we make others' actions mean is often, well, often we make them mean uh, something about us or we make them mean something about them, but often it's negative. And if it's negative, it's a limiting belief. It keeps us stuck in drama and chaos and power struggles. So a negative intent or a negative assumption often sounds like um, they're just, they're disrespectful. They're, they don't, they never listen to me. Um, they're doing this to make me mad or they just think they can do whatever they want, you know, and this can be about a child or somebody else. And the truth is we, we think we know why people do what they do, but we actually don't. We are not in their head. We are not in their body. We are making it up. And when we make it up negative, it creates um, triggers in us, right? It creates uh, stress. And then we react 
from a, from a stress standpoint. And basically, when we see others in a negative way, we really see them as unworthy. When we can see through the lens of a positive intent or a positive assumption about somebody, that sees the best in them. That sees them as worthy. And it, we can feel it in ourselves. So you can see a person as disrespectful and that feels one way. Or you can see a person as needing help or this person is struggling and we can see the humanity in that person, that feels a different way. And like Dr. Becky would say, this person is good and struggling. And what we offer to others, we strengthen in ourselves. So if we offer others criticism, we strengthen that in ourselves, the criticism we offer to ourselves. If we offer others, you know, condemnation or negative assumptions, we strengthen the condemnation and the negativity within ourselves. If we offer others positive intent or a positive assumption, we strengthen the positiveness within ourselves. We offer others love and compassion. We strengthen that within ourselves and vice versa. When we can offer ourself love, we can extend that to the to the other. When we offer ourselves compassion, we extend that. When we offer ourselves uh, peace and calm through the skills and practice of composure, we extend that. And when we offer ourselves criticism, we extend that. When we offer ourselves blame and self-blame, we extend that. So we have a choice. And here's the other deal. It does not let others off the hook. And I'm using air quotes, off the hook, because I hear that a lot. That is the fear, that if we let them off the hook, then, I don't know, all hell's going to break loose. But what it actually does is it invites the possibility of self-regulation. And self-regulation, I believe, is one of the most significant and important skills that we can have ourselves and that we can teach to others for lifelong success. Fear-based practices create doubt and lack and not enoughness. Love-based practices creates trust and growth and abundance. It creates solutions and change. And that's what all of my programs are about. It's shifting from anxiety-filled environments 
to creating compassionate environments where love and connection and meaningful relationships flourish. So again, check out the hypnosis deal for this week and stay tuned for over on Instagram uh, for more to come this month and in here. Uh, Stay tuned here. Announcements will be made here as well. So have a great week, everyone, and practice seeing the best. Thank you for tuning into the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show or previous shows, I would so appreciate you subscribing and leaving a review. I am so grateful for all of you listeners who are joining me here for these conversations because I believe it's through these type of conversations that we start to shift the paradigm, creating a more loving and compassionate world. I hope you will join me here each week as we discover new ways to show up in our lives and create a bigger impact. And if you are ready to take this to the next level, head on over to my website at diannesorensen.net. Again, that's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Get on my calendar and see how you can be supported and if we're a good fit so that you can get out of survival and into thrival. Change is possible and I've got you.